Welcome to Momentum Church. Everybody, it's good to have you all here today. Can you give God some praise in here? Amen. I know sometimes that might seem a little perfunctory. Can you give God praise? And it, well, that's just what the preacher says. That's just the natural transition between worship and him preaching. And he'll say, no, no, that's an invitation for us to partner in praise with the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We can partner in praise together, lifting him up. Amen. With our voices, not just with the song, but in celebration. So can we give God some praise in here this morning? Amen. He is so good. Man, I do want to, before I get into this sermon today, I want you to open your Bibles to Joshua. And while you're getting to Joshua there in the Old Testament, while you're getting there, I do want to make an announcement. And um, how many love Pastor Brantley Johnson and Hannah Johnson around here? Amen? Well, last Sunday was his last sermon. For a while. Come on, somebody. So, no, I freaked everybody out. They're like, what? No. Last Sunday was his last sermon for a while. My, I'm so thankful for our, our board. Um, they made a decision a couple years ago that when our staff that's full-time um, spends about two years, we do it every two years, they get a four-week sabbatical, okay? And it's something that we learned from a pastor up north who literally had got to a place in his ministry where he ended up just frying out, you know. And so he started this process 15, I think 16 years ago, and, um, and he does it with his staff. So you may not realize it, but last fall, Pastor Corey had the ability to take that four-week time. So, so we missed Pastor Corey, but guess what? He has a great team because he's a great leader, amen? Well, this is Pastor Brentley's turn, and we realized last fall we messed up, and we never said anything about it. We knew about Pastor Corey, and so within about a week or two, people are going, did Pastor Corey backslide? And I was like, again? And, and, and no. <laughs> are you there, Corey? No. But, but we literally, we just didn't think, you know? And um, so inquiring minds, you know how that goes. So we just wanted to let you know that tomorrow, don't Pester Pastor Brantley for the next, he's actually going to do four weeks, and then he's taking this week, um, he's using one of his vacation weeks, so he'll be back the Tuesday after Memorial Day, all right? And so if you are appreciative of the Johnsons, just give him one more round of applause. And I'm so thankful that we can do that. It's crazy for me to realize, Tyler, this fall, it'll be his opportunity to do it. He's been with us two years, um, part-time in April was two years, but full-time in June. It'll be two years full-time in June. And so, um, so yeah, just amazing. You got a good team around here, guys, that are serving you. Are you appreciative of those who serve you? All right. And so some of you, if you're new, you don't know who I am, I get to be the lead pastor around here. I I'm just, like, blessed because of that. All right. So this is our third week in our Door series. And I want you, like I said, to open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 1. And as I've been saying each week, every decision in life is a door into what is next in your life. Every decision. Good decisions, bad decisions, they all are a doorway into what you'll walk into next in your life. How many here, you made a decision a long time ago to ask a certain young lady out? Right? Chance? You know, Andrea, you asked her out, and she said, I don't know why she said yeah, but she said yes, all right? And, and, and now all these years later, you know, two wonderful kids and a life, and, and just amazing, you know, you, you made a decision, though. That was a nervous 
decision to, to ask. You know, for you, you remember when you asked that girl out. It's a nervous decision, but you made that. And look how it's turned out for you, you know. Now maybe for you, I know there's some people this week celebrating anniversaries, you know. Maybe for you, it's years later, and she's not just your wife, but she's your friend. She's the mother of your children. She's been a, a, a partner in, 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 in crime, you know. Just everything you put your hands to as a couple. You made a good decision, and look where it, it got you. Then, then there's some others. Maybe, maybe you were here and somebody warned you. Your friends and your family are like, girl, stay away from that man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know you think he's your Boaz, but he's a cheap ass. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, you've heard that before, right? Or a dumbass. <laughs> but, but God wants you to have your Boaz. Okay, so God's looking for your Boaz. But, but they're like, girl, stay away from him, you know? Just like he has nothing to offer you, honey. He's crazy. Stay away from him. And, and you didn't. But I love him. He makes my liver quiver, you know? He makes my heart start, you know? And, and you just couldn't keep from making those next decisions, even though you knew everything within you, your family, the council of friends, people around you are saying, no, 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 no. You just don't know him like I do. And now you look back with years of regret because of that decision. Now, I'm not saying if you're sitting there by your regret, don't look over, okay? <laughs> Call us. We do counseling. We'll get you help, okay? We'll fix that. We'll, we'll he bring healing to that. But, but many of you, you are. You're looking back going, oh, my gosh, I should have... I should have listened. That was a decision that took me further away from what I, what I wanted. There's others of you, kind of like Amy and I, moving here. You know, this, this week I was talking with, with Chip Wadega. And I'm just so proud of him and Crystal. And, you know, years ago they were in Florida. And they made the decision, the teaching compensation in Florida is not good, you know. Thank God Georgia for teachers has better compensation. There's so much I love about Georgia. That's why we moved here, right? And um, so they moved here, but they weren't sure of anything. They, they came, and man, God has given them such great teaching positions, you know. And not just that, they, they, they left family, they left friends, they left church, all those things that was a, a part of the decision-making process. And there was sacrifice. But all these years later, God has established both of them in the education system here. And they are esteemed by both students and colleagues, you know, and, and their kids are thriving, and, and, and they get to get us as their home church. Come on, right? Pat yourself on the back. They, they have you in their lives. Yeah, and that's what happened, but, but they took that step, that decision, you know. And last Wednesday night, Chip, he hosted a, a wing night. I don't know who well, the guys that went over to the wing night at Buffalo's, but, you know, why did Chip do that? Because Chip is connected here, and he's got people that want to connect with him. And, but there was a moment when he made a decision to leave Florida that he didn't know if he was leaving all his friends, his family. He didn't know what it was going to look like. Now, decisions. I had a decision this week. I did not go to wing night with Chip. I didn't. I, I, was like, I wanted to go to wing night, but you don't take an alcoholic to a bar. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And, uh, and to be honest, can I get real candid with you when it comes to decisions? I've been going through some stuff the past few months and, and been not making careful decisions. I have not been making those, those, those consistent right decisions, you know. And, um, and with that, going through some stuff, I started making decisions to use food for comfort again. Man, after 18, 20 months of, of really having control, 
those decisions are what open up to what's next in your life, right? And that's just, I'm just being really candid. That was something I started realizing. Oh my gosh, I'm looking to, I mean, I thought I had control, but I'm starting to look to food for comfort. So Chip, I'm sorry I didn't come Wednesday night, but I'm just being honest. I was making a decision for what was next in my life, and that's consistency in my, in my health, right? And so why? Because every door or every decision is a door into what's next in your life. You know, if, if, if I would have made the decision, guess what would be next in my life? I'm just going to throw this out. So what would be next in my life, all right? What, what, what be when I made that decision a long time ago, um, things started changing. So if I made the, the poor decision, guess what's next? Spending money. Because I'm going to have to buy me some new clothes. Why? Because when I was at 300 pounds wearing 42 jeans and 44 dress pants and triple X shirts, as I turned things around over that, that this is like a couple years ago, two, almost two and a half years ago, as I turned things around, I got rid of all those clothes. I was burning the bridges. Why? That was a decision. Because I wasn't going to go back through that door. And so gone were the 44s, the 42s, the 40s, the 38s. And I was like, I told Amy this week, I'm like, dude, I got to make those right decisions because all I got is 36 jeans, you know? I'm not going back. I ain't going to spend no money on no 38 jeans. Come on, somebody. Why? Because every decision you make is a doorway into what's next. And so, Chip, I love you. I love wings more than you. So I didn't show up at your party. Why? Because sometimes you got to make a decision for what's next in your life, right? Now, could I have went to Buffalo's and ate healthy? I have done that a dozen times in the last two years. Yes, for sure. But there's promises I've made to myself and my family that that decision last Wednesday night would not get me to those promises. I just know where I was at in my mind the last couple months. So, you know God is taking every one of us somewhere, right? But it's you that have the legs to get you there. God's leading you. He's laying out the promises, but it's you. The, the legs are the decisions. It's you making the decisions daily that's going to, to get you there. So you know God's taking every one of us somewhere. He has promises for you to walk in. But listen, he's going to get you there one decision at a time. Let's stand to our feet. I want to read I'll start with Joshua 1, verse 1. I won't have you stand for all the, the scripture because I'm going to teach in and out of this today. But Joshua 1, Joshua is on the precipice of leading the Israelites into the promise that God had had for them. This promise was given to Moses of old all the way back to when he led them out of Egypt. Now they've walked for 40 years, and they're just about ready to take steps. Moses has gone on, and it's time for Joshua to lead Joshua's a little bit nervous about this next step, this next, everybody say, door in the life that he has to walk people into the destiny that God has for him. And so this is where we stand. God's about ready to speak to Joshua, both a promise and a prescription. Aren't you glad when God gives you a promise, he'll also give you a prescription? Like he'll give you something to live up to that promise or to get to that promise. And so it says here, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am given to them. And I love that. You can complain, you can be fearful, you can all these things, but listen, that season is over. Today is a day of decision. 
Today is your door moment, is what he's saying to Joshua. You know, Moses was a great leader, but Moses is dead. It's time now for you to lead. Go forth over this Jordan, you and all this people in the land that I'm giving to them. There's the promise to the people of Israel. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. When I hear that promise with such certainty, it just reminds me of a passage we preached just a few months ago out of Revelations, where it said, these are the words of the Holy One, the true one, the one who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. It sounds like the same God that is in our life, that same promise that he is going to make a way for you to walk into the thing he has for you. That God is speaking to Joshua right now and saying, I'm going to make a way for you to walk into the promise and to take those with you into the promise that I have. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, I just ask that you'd help us, Lord God, to, to see some patterns in Joshua's life that we can follow as we make decisions, as we walk through the door into the destiny you have for us. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the one who opens and no one shuts, the one who shuts and no one opens, I can simplify that by just saying God has his hand on the handle of every door you need opened in your life. Yeah, he does. Sometimes we put our hands to doors that don't need open, but God has his hand on the door of every door that needs to be opened in your life. That's why it's so important for us to be hand in hand with God. As we're going through making decisions, it's so important for us to have that connection, that closeness to the Lord. Because out of that connection with the Lord is how those decisions will be, will be made. The Bible says God gives you the desires of your heart. Sometimes we go off on our own emotions and feelings, but when we lean into God and he begins to give us those desires, it starts to point us toward the doors that he has for us. Amen? And so with that, I want to call that opportunity. Shout opportunity. Don't you want that? Don't you want the door of opportunity to be, to be open to you? I mean, you're going through life, and you don't know what's over there, and you open that door, and it's like, oh, it's opportunity. Wow, opportunity. She's five foot tall, brown eyes, dark hair. Where are you at, Amy? Opportunity is open to, you know, yeah. Everyone, whatever that might look like, you want that opportunity. I can remember when we were coming to plant the church down here, and I made calls to both the mayor of Woodstock and the mayor of, of Canton, and I came and had breakfast with the mayor of Woodstock. I had lunch with the, the mayor of Canton. Just why? Because I was opening doors to see, is this an opportunity? Is this where God's leading me? I knew he was calling us to Atlanta. I knew he was calling us to Cherokee County, but I didn't know exactly what the next steps were, but I felt that leading of the Lord just to open the door and to make the next right decision or at least the next decision didn't even know if it was right yet i just knew i was walking close to god in the moment in joshua 1 verse 5 through 6 it says no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life so when god opens doors they stay open right just as i was with moses so i will be with you i will not leave you nor forsake you be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that i swore to their fathers to give them yeah yeah in that you're going to walk through these doors joshua i'm giving you a promise and you're going to lead these people before you and they're going to walk but you got to be strong and you've got to be courageous 
And you're going to inherit this. But listen, walking through the doors God sets before you is something that you do in partnership with God. Do you know God doesn't ever do anything all by himself? Do you know that? Tell me one thing that you see God do all by himself. Even when it came to your salvation. Well, I'm saved by grace so that no one can boast. You're absolutely right. But you were saved because Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you will be saved. For with your mouth, whose mouth? You. With your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With your heart, you believe unto righteousness. All right? So, yeah, no, you don't do the saving. It's all him. But guess what? There's a partnership in that. Isn't that crazy? Somebody gets healed. The Bible says, if there is any sick amongst you, call upon the elders of the church. Let them lay hands upon you and anoint you with prayer and pray the prayer of faith. Well, can't God just do it sovereignly? Yes. But guess what? There is just something about people reaching to the hem of the garment of Jesus. There's just something about humanity, flesh, partnering with God. And all throughout, even when it came to the earth, did God not make Adam and Eve? Could he have made Adam and Eve and John and Mary and, and, and Beth and Sue and Tommy? and you know, He could have made a whole bunch of people. No, no. He made Adam and Eve and he said, you multiply. You subdue. You take authority over the earth. In other words, we're in partnership here. This is a, a, a world where God comes into partnership with us. That ought to make you feel a little bit heady. Right? And when I say heady, I'm not saying prideful. It ought to make you feel a little responsible. Like, oh my gosh, I am partnering with God or partnering with the enemy of my heart to create my future. Everybody is telling this person, that man's crazy. People that they've listened to for counsel their whole life, but now that heart is just, oh, I can't, oh, but you don't know him like I know him. And every wise counselor in your life, every family member that you've always trusted, your, your pastors, your, 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 your small group leader is saying, y'all, you, buddy, you got to be careful. Oh, but you don't know. You don't know him like I do. And you make partnership with a decision, and then you blame everybody else. No, you made that decision. Now listen, God is good. Because those bad, how many's made a bad decision? Every one of us. But guess where it starts if you're going to walk into a new destiny? Responsibility. It starts with us going, you know what? I am partnering with God or, or I'm partnering with something anti-God, if you will. Anti-Christ. But I'm partnering. Every decision is a partnership into what's next in my life. And I will take responsibility for those decisions. Matthew 16, 19 says, here's the power and the authority that you have. I will give you the keys. Every door needs a key, amen? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You have been given the power to bind and loose, and in the context of this sermon and the idea of a key and a door, you have been given the power to close and to open. 
Let's just look at it that way. Binding and loosing might sound weird. I bind in the name of Jesus. You know, can we just look at it like closing and opening? What decisions are we making in our life that are opening us to the things that God has next for us or opening us to the things that the enemy has for us? What decisions are we making in our life that are closing? I know this is the way of the world. I know this is how everybody else says it's supposed to be. But the way the word of God says it, this is the decision I'm supposed to make. And so I'm closing that door and looking for a new door. Why? Because this door that God opens will go to where God desires. Amen? So we have this authority. God's not going, forcing you on the door. Which door to open? No, no, he's giving you the keys to the kingdom. He's giving you the power and the authority to open and to close things in your life. That's, that's heavy. That's some serious responsibility. And that's how God is speaking to Joshua as he stands at the doorway of his destiny and the destiny of the people he served. He looks to him and he says, you will make your way prosperous. Isn't that wild? In that promise, he doesn't come on the backside of the promise and says, I'm going to make you prosperous. He says, you will inherit the, 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 the lamb. But he says, you will make your way prosperous. In other words, God's like, I'm giving you all the tools and the resources. And when you act on that in partnership with me, yes, I'm the one that's bringing the inheritance. But you are the one that's causing this to happen. You are making your way prosperous. And if you can make your way prosperous, guess what else? You can make your way broke. You've heard me say it a hundred times, broke, busted, and disgusted. We can't, we, we, there's choices I've made, decisions I've made that caused me to come up relationally broke, emotionally broke, spiritually broke. I'm right here with you guys. I'm not standing on this stage like I don't, <laughs> I've never made a bad decision. Can't tell you how many bad decisions. I guarantee you the next four weeks, I'm going to think, oh my gosh, it was a bad decision to give Brantley a sabbatical. I like having him around. I remember when Corey wasn't here. Corey brings such wisdom. You guys don't even realize how much wisdom behind the scenes. I know you hear him lead worship, and I know if you're in his teams, you know this. But those who just see Pastor Corey worship, and that's all. Oh, my gosh, so much wisdom. I missed that this fall. I missed it so much. I'm crazy for letting these guys get away from us. But I know it's right, right? So you will make your way prosperous, but the opposite of that is equally true. And so we need to make good decisions. We need to make God-type decisions. Let's go on. Joshua 1, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Here's the first principle that we're seeing here on how Joshua was able to walk into the promised land. He was careful to do according to all the law that was commanded of him. When you are doing the law commanded to you, or when you're doing something that's commanded to you, that is called obedience. So listen, the door into what God has next for your life swings on the hinges of obedience. If this is where you're at now, an opportunity is over here, this and this, those are obedience. That's what that swings on. You'll never get the door open in what God's telling you to do if you don't walk in. Everybody say obedience. 
Here's the problem with obedience, though. Often we are waiting for the next invitation from God. I want you to do this. We're waiting for that next invitation. I want you to go here. I want you to start this. I want you to stop that. I want you to begin this. I want you to open or I want you to close. We're waiting for that next invitation to bind or to loose. We're waiting for that next invitation. You have the authority to do it, but we're waiting for the next invitation because we haven't even been obedient to what he's asked us to do already. We're waiting for the next. We're always asking God, tell me, tell me. He already has. He told the the people of Israel to go from here to there, right? A 14-day journey that took 40 years. Why? Because the journey wasn't on land. The journey was in their heart. They were lost in their hearts, not in the land. Amen? These were were routes. These were trade routes. There was... It wasn't like, like you wouldn't have a clue, just straight up wilderness. I mean, yes, it's, 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 the, de- yes, it's the wilderness, but there was, there was people in that day that navigated all the time, all right? Trade routes and such from Egypt into Mesopotamia that would have gone right through that area. But they were lost in their hearts. Why? Because God said, do this, and time and time and time again on the journey, they didn't. And so God's so loving in his grace, he'll let you keep coming around and coming around. Can I despiritualize this a little bit? Sometimes in our life, you may say, Ross, I know you're using marriage today a little bit. So you you want a new experience, something new in your marriage. But you haven't done the next right thing. Like, Like you know what the next right thing is. But all you want to do is look at all the wrong things. But look what she did. Look at her. She did this. She did that. If she didn't, I would... No, what's the next right thing? And you know it. You know when God, you know what it is for you. Just open that door. Begin to walk through that. I know for Amy, the next right thing, no matter what we're going through, the next right thing, I call it my first 15 minutes. In the morning, that first, well, we go a little longer than that nowadays because we've really started to develop a better habit of our morning um, time together and our time with the Lord. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But used to, man, I would get up. Get out of the house quick. and so. But I knew I needed to spend at least 15 minutes with her. And then come through the door, pat the kids on the head. Good, love you, love you, love you, get away. It's mom's time. You know? <laughs> all my kids have heard me say it before. I love mommy more than I love you. That's all it is. It's, not, it's, it's a different love, but it's, it's more. And so I need you to go away from but, um, But first 15 minutes when we come through the door, try to spend with her. And then once the kids are in bed, try to do that 15 minutes of just hanging out, talking, how about the day, and things like that. Man, 45 minutes is what I need. To, that's those decisions I need to make a healthy marriage. I know the next right thing. If I go too long, too many days without that, there's tension. Not because she's evil or not because I'm evil. We're humans, and we need that. That's what we need. Because she's a quality time person, and what's crazy is I used to not be, but man, it's rubbed off. You know, twenty was it twenty seven this year? Twenty seven years of marriage? I think it is in July, right? That's that's or twenty. It's nuts. It's crazy. But but yeah. So that idea of of for me, that's the next right thing. I can know that, and I can push that aside, day after day, week after week, month after month, and wonder what's wrong with my marriage. Or I could go, you know what? It's just a simple decision to go through that door. I'll get to this here in a second, a little bit more. But there's that obedience. It's the next thing you're supposed to do. So if you want to experience something new, or you want to experience, like, what have you already showed me to do, God? Do that. 
And on your way of doing the thing that he's told you to do, guess what? You'll find something else to add to that. You'll, you'll find that direction. He'll lead you into the next thing to do. But so often we want to, God, just tell me what to do. I already told you. It was kind of like me coming to Georgia. I knew he said Atlanta. It wasn't until we started taking steps toward it that God showed us Cherokee County. It wasn't until we started taking steps toward that that God showed us Woodstock. It was really just, an, and now when we look back, I can see God's hand all the way. But in that moment, okay, what's next? I know to do this. That's what I'm going to do. Calling Jared and, and, and Charlotte. You guys want to do this with us? Oh, heck no. Please. If we don't pay you, will you do it? Sure. <laughs> then they stepped out in faith, you know, just playing. <laughs> ah. So I love what Mark Batterson says in his book, Win the Day. He says, if you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. Sound good? That's all he was asking of the Israelites. Just wake up today, eat your quail, keep your mouth shut, and keep walking toward the promise. I can't believe there's quail again today. Dude, it's quail. I mean, it's good. It's good. Have you ever had quail, anybody? Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's food. Shut up, eat, be happy. But no, I can't. There's miracles all around me. Manna keeps falling. Oh, this manna. How many would be blown away if you woke up and every morning, like, like, Uber Eats shows up and drops groceries on your front porch, and you didn't even have to order it. Right? It is funny when you start getting in the habit of using, not Uber Eats, what's the thing, you, Instacart? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, I got to put my Instacart order in. I'm like, are you kidding me? Used to it would take us hours to go, used to it would take her hours, I don't shop, to go get all the, you know, it's like now it's like, oh, I got to do this 10 minutes. And actually all the things are half checkboxed, you know, makes it so easy. But, but that's how, you know, life changes, right? But that's how it was. They had freaking Instacart every day and they're complaining about it, you know. All they got to do is just eat it, be obedient and keep stepping forward. 40 years they've wandered. So that's the first thing is obedience. What is God telling you? That next right thing. Just do that. If you feel in your spirit a conviction about something, just do that. Or if you're reading the scripture and you're going, I know I don't feel conviction. Sometimes you don't feel conviction. You know that, right? Especially when you're really, really deep in the hole, you don't feel conviction anymore. All right? It's just, that's, well, I'm not convicted, so I guess it's okay. No, if it's black and white in the scripture, it's not. So you look at it and go, you know what? What's the next right thing? I'm going to do this. And you make that decision. You're obedient in that decision. Number two, the door into what God has next for your life opens to the faithful. So we see here we're supposed to be obedient, but now watch this idea of faithfulness. Verse, verse 7, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That's that word that he's telling us to be obedient to. Don't turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Everybody say day and night. Say day and night. Say day and night. Say day and night. You know that? that, that that's like this, this is this ebb and flow. This is a consistency thing we're speaking about here. This is a faithfulness thing. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
This idea of faithfulness, or we can call it consistency, this day and night, day and night, doing the next right thing, doing it over and over and over, even if it doesn't seem right, you know, or seem, seem easy or whatever it might be, it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm supposed to do, this is what I'm supposed to do. Consistency increases your ability to walk into what's next in your life. It does. Ross, you may say, Ross, I've been obedient and I've been consistent, you know, I'm ready, you know, but, but. I don't understand. I don't feel like I'm walking in prosperity, you know. Well, you know what? Sometimes it just takes time. You know, God begins to show you what to do. You're being obedient to it. And now you're just consistent to that, whatever that might be. I've, I mean, I can think of a, a woman in Ohio, Terry Chandler. Terry, if you're watching right now, I love you. Terry and her husband, George. And Terry came to church consistent, prayed for her husband consistent. I can't tell you how many times. You know how times we'll say, hey, if you need prayer, come to this altar. We're going to pray. We, we would do that. She would come to the altar. I need prayer for my husband, George. He's not a believer. I need prayer for my husband, George. He's not a believer. She was knocking on that door of promise over and over and over and over. And one day, George came to church. And God touched George powerfully. I mean, God touched George so powerfully. I mean, that day, I remember he got saved. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He got slain in the Spirit. And that night came back and got baptized. I mean, God tore him up from the floor up. It was awesome. And George talked like this. <laughs> I can't even do it. Make me choke. George sounded, looked and sounded like Al or whatever his name was from Al's Diner on Happy Days. You just had to love this man. And, and he has since went to, to heaven um, since we've been here in Georgia. But George became, I, I mean, just one of God's shining diadems in the ring of, of the church, if you will. Just, he shone the love of Jesus so bright. But that woman just consistent, 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 consistent. And that man's life changed. Makes me think of another woman in the same church praying for her husband but keeping one eye open that there just might be another man come along that God might want her to have instead. You can see it in her spirit. I want my husband to be saved. I want my husband to be saved. But you can just see it. And a man came to the church, a charlatan, you know, and uh, began to be boisterous about his spirituality. And I'm a prophet. And, you know, we kind of shut it down publicly because we didn't know who he was. You're supposed to know those who serve with you. And, but, oh, she got her eye on this guy. Crazy. This man, her husband, rather, ends up coming to a service. Hadn't been in church 25, 30, maybe years. Comes to a service and gets saved. But it was just a couple weeks before I started noticing her. I'm just being honest. I started noticing her. She's worshiping in church. And he's over here. And he is handsome. And she's worshiping God. I got my eyes on Jesus. But, oh, he looked good. <laughs> got my eyes on, what's he doing? Oh, she. If, I, if I'm real boisterous, he'll, he'll look at me. So I'll be more boisterous. You think I'm playing. I'm not playing. I'm being serious. She started opening a door of lust toward this guy and vice versa. Her husband gets saved, you know. He's saved about a month. And she comes in and says that she's leaving him because God's telling her to go be with this other guy. Long story short, she goes off with this other guy. They, guess what? They get married. They start a ministry in another city, 60 miles from our hometown. And guess what? A few years later, he leaves her with the younger, prettier woman. I shouldn't say prettier. I shouldn't judge. But I'm just saying, you know, like a young, the typical story. 
Why? Because he was a schmuck. I shouldn't say that. That was wrong. I still get mad about it, you know. We saw it coming, and we, 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 we hemmed him in quick when it came to ministry at the church. He wasn't going to play his game. But within a month's time, nah, probably two months' time, she began to open that door. And guess what? She justified it. You know? She justified it. It was God leading her. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad to say her husband may have served the Lord the rest of his life, ended up dying a few years later, you know? And, um, and it's sad. It's sad. That woman today is alone. I don't know where that other guy is. Man, I'm telling you a sad story because it's just true. <laughs> being responsible for the decisions that we're making and looking at what the Word says, being committed to it, obedient, that's the word I'm using, and then being consistent to it. It's important. And the reason why is because decisions become habits and habits, listen to this, habits create habitats. Okay? You're saying to yourself, well, I want a new life. Well, yeah, the, the, your decision is the door into what's next, but your decisions create habits, and habits create what is next. It's a new habitat. You're not living underneath the oppression of the Egyptians anymore. You've been given an invite by God to come into the promised land. A bunch of those people, the majority of them, made decisions based on old mindsets, and they stayed and died this side of the promise. Only the young people, Joshua and Caleb, were given the ability to walk into the promised land. Moses didn't even get to walk into the promised land. Isn't that sad? Why? They didn't ever walk and possess the habitat because their habit was murmuring, complaining, dissension, division, jealousy. You see what I'm saying? And so your decisions create habitats your habit, or habits, and your habits will create habitats. Why is it so easy for bad habits to come, right? I have no problem doing bad habits. How about, how about you? Those decisions to go through the door of a bad habit, they just happen so naturally. It's the good habits that are difficult. It's the good habits that are, are hard to do, they're hard to walk through. And so I want to give you a practical thing before we finish here. It's called habit stacking. Have you ever heard of that term, habit stacking? And what habit stacking is is this. It's coupling a habit that comes easy with a habit that requires a little more discipline. Okay? So I know this might seem like a silly one. I struggle to drink water, you say. You know, I know for me, I struggle to drink water. So I tie habit. I eat six times a day, you know, small meals. So I tie drinking a bottle of water with every time I eat. By the time I'm done, I've drank 140, 150 ounces of water in a day. I mean, like just crazy amount of water, you know? You're tying something that you do easily. You know, maybe for Pastor Brantley, I've heard him talk about this. His morning coffee routine. Coffee comes easy. Sometimes reading the Word doesn't. So you tie the Word. Amy and I, we tie our morning coffee routine into our time together and our time with the Lord, and we set up our day. Why? Because it's not natural. We want to just run on. But we slow down for coffee. I wish we slowed down for Jesus first and added coffee to that. But I'm just being honest. We slow down for coffee. And we habit stack. Does that make sense? And it works, all right? So I don't know what it is for you. Um, Beethoven, as, as skilled as he was, as detailed as he was, you know what he did every morning? This is before you had all the coffee makers we have now, right? There's no Keurig back then, right? So he would count out individually six coffee beans, 60, I'm sorry, 60 coffee beans, like one by one, count them out specifically, 60 every day, and make his coffee. Well, it's no wonder he was so meticulous 
in his scores, right? That's just how he, he, he I'm sure, in a sense, habit stacked. He, he, he was meticulous in this area, and it led to being meticulous in other areas. And you may say, this doesn't sound like scripture, but it is. Because really what that is, it's intentionality coupled with consistency is what a habit is, right? And, and it's all out throughout scripture. You see ritual reminders, all throughout scripture. This is, I'm not going to teach you on today. I've taught on before. The mezuzah on the side of a Jewish person's door, that goes all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know why? Because when you would go out, you would be able to be reminded that we're supposed to know that there's one Lord and we're supposed to teach our kids that on our coming, our going, our sitting. It's a reminder of what we're supposed to do. Coming into the house and going out of the house. It was a ritual reminder. They were habit stacking, all right? So what I'm speaking to that is the idea of consistency. That's faithfulness, all right? So we can see in Joshua's life there was consistency. Meditated day and night. Did the right thing day and night. Walked in what God told him day and night. Number three, the door into what God has next for your life will experience resistance. Ross, I'm doing this stuff. I'm being obedient, and I'm being consistent, but I'm not seeing the habitat change. I'm not seeing what's next come and manifest yet. Well, you know what? You're right. Remember that girl you took a chance on and started dating? Let me ask you guys this question. How many here have been married more than 50 years? Anybody? All right, let's say 40. More than 40? All right, the Cochran's more than 40 years. Took a chance, Ken did on, on Janet. Took that chance all those years ago. And guess what? After he took that chance in that first date, it's been a smooth sailing experience ever since. They got to 40 years because it was easy. No, they got to 40 years because they were committed. They were obedient to the vows they made at that altar, and they've been consistent day after day. And guess what? Their obedience and their consistency did not keep them from obstacles, did not keep them from resistance, did not keep them from hard times. Sometimes walking through the door of opportunity leaves you right at the threshold of an obstacle. You know, I'm going to go through. It should be easy. No. Oh, it's difficult. It must not be God. No, sometimes it, the very thing that is difficult is God. It's not easy when you're going into the opportunity that God has for you. Sometimes there's going to be obstacles. When Joshua and then began to go into the, 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 the promised land, they had to go through Jericho. They had to go through Ai. They had to go through different cities. And there was different obstacles, both physically, and if you read those stories, emotionally and spiritually that they had to get through to be able to be prepared to prosper, to hold on, to get the promised land. So how many decisions have you had to make to get to 40 years of, of, of marriage? How many decisions? Every day. Little decisions, little decisions, little decisions. Like Mark said, you do the little things, God do the big things. You know? So with every opportunity comes obstacles. Everybody say this with me. Say, the obstacle is the way. And I will. I'll close with this. I know I went long today. So, um, the obstacle is the way. We took Arden Rose and Maverick for their first backpacking trip right after Easter. And so we went for, for two and a half days, you know, two nights, three, basically three days of hiking. And um, that little Arden, she's six years old. She did about 10 miles under pack, you know, because I ain't carrying everything. And... 
and, no, she, had, she did. She had a little pack. She had a little sleeping bag in there and her clothes. That was it. Just nice, light, and fluffy, but it gave her some responsibility. And we, we start hiking. We come to our first water crossing, that river. I mean, it was, it, was, it was probably from the door there to probably about here. It was a good stretch of water. A little scary. I mean, it wasn't deep, but for a little one, six years old, they don't know it's not deep. So all she sees is water and rocks. Water and rocks. That's all she sees. Guess what? That's the obstacles. To her, it's just water and rocks, and they both look scary when you're six years old and you haven't crossed a river that big before. And so at first, you could tell she wasn't so sure that she wanted any part of either of those two things, the water or the rocks. And next thing she realized, though, that the obstacle is the way. Those rocks might look precarious, but when you're mindful and you're being, if you will, obedient, daddy's encouraging you, take a step here, go here. Mama's in front of her, I'm behind, and we're encouraging her. And after a while, she got it figured out. We just shut our mouths and watched her go. But in doing so, she's obedient in that, okay? And she's being consistent in that. Like, like, and I love that she got through all those stones, and every stone could be what drops you, but it also could be what carries you. The obstacle is the way. And so she gets across on the other side, and I looked at her, I said, Arden, you did so good. And she goes, Daddy, I just used my bounce and my brains. <laughs> Isn't that cute? If she didn't already have a, a hiking name, her, her, her name is Catch-Up, because we're always saying, come on, Catch-Up, Catch-Up. And Mac is Shotgun, because he's always way out ahead. But I would call her BB, Bounce and Brains, because I just thought it was so cute. But man, that's what she said, I just used my bounce and my brains. Think about that. You're facing hard decisions, your bounce, obedience and faith, obedience and consistency. That's your bounce. Stay bounced. Don't let the enemy knock you um, to the right or to the left in that moment. Stay bounced with obedience and consistency as you go through that door. And then my brains, you know, keep the mind of Christ. Keep in the word of God as you're making those decisions. Amen. Just use your bounce and your brains. It's as easy as a six-year-old can make it, Right? That's how we walk into what God has for us. Amen? We walk with obedience, and we walk with faithfulness or consistency. And when we face those obstacles that are difficult, we check the obstacle. Is this an obstacle because I'm walking in sin, or is this something that God is try trying to help me get through, and that obstacle is making me stronger? Amen? Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.